Hello, and welcome to today's episode of The Pagan Parlor. Today is Friday, December 17th, 2021, and I am your host, Maximilian Pensord, but you can call me Max. Here in this podcast, we explore a variety of things related to paganism. At this point, I would like to give a notice and reminder that paganism is a broad term that envelops many different pantheons and belief systems, and as such, this podcast will be focused on paganism as a whole and not on any specific branch of it. Each episode contains a short lesson on a stone or metal, a story, myth, or legend, and a segment I like to call Keeping Up with the Christians, which you will hopefully find amusing as well as informative on what the Christians are up to lately. Now, since we are all busy people, we'll jump straight in with a quick ritual. This ritual is intended to join the energies of the listeners in with the energies of the host, as well as the same in reverse, as well as some basic protections for, against the ill intentions of others. I will now light the candle, and as I do so, I invite all beings of good energy and good intent into the ritual space. Humans and gods and goddesses alike, spirits and the fae, come and join together in good nature and to play. Come old, come young, come scarred and burned, it matters not, there's a lesson to be learned. Come in good faith, and you will be safe, but come with ill intent, and your mind shall get bent. Bring us together in storms and good weather, keep us from pain and from those who are sane. For the harm of none and the good of many, we call to the gods, and they are many. Blessed are we, so mote it be. This week, the stone suggested for research by our designated stone selector Kip from the Sorcerer's Guild on Facebook is Onyx. As such, let's get ready to learn something magical. This week's lesson uses information that comes from ravencrystals.com and wikipedia.org. Granite is a coarse-grained igneous rock, composed mostly of quartz, alkali feldspar, and plagioclase. It forms when magma is rich in the proper minerals and cools down slowly underneath the Earth's surface. Granite is almost always hard and tough, with a 6 to 8 on the Mohs scale, and when that was coupled with how plentiful it is around the world, it's easy to see why it's been used for construction purposes throughout human history. In a metaphysical sense, granite is associated with the root, third eye, and crown chakras, the zodiac sign of Libra, and the element of Earth. Granite can help people see the bigger picture, banish skepticism, and defeat negativity. Aboriginal tribes knew it to have protective qualities and to help facilitate balance in relationships as well as cooperative groups. It is also a stone of abundance and can increase the flow of wealth to the user. Much as with citrine and labradorite, granite contains silica and you don't want silicosis, so don't be a dumbass and sand it down without a breathing mask. You don't want it in your lungs. Next, we have our Pagan Promotion section. Herein, I will highlight one person of interest, celebrity, or Pagan-owned business per week. Information for this week's Pagan Promotion section comes from en-academic.com. This week, we are taking a look at a Pagan by the name of Jessica Orsini, who is a politician. Jessica Orsini is the current Elder Woman for Ward 3 of Centralia, Missouri, 
an elder woman being an elected female official of a municipal council. She was elected back in 2006 and is currently in her third term as a publicly elected official. Miss Orsini is both an openly transgender woman as well as an openly pagan one, and as such, I would like to commend her for helping to forge the path, not only for transgender equality, but also for pagans in politics. With how much of the United States politically is being dominated by Christianity, it is about time some of our own started getting into the mix to improve things for everyone. Kudos, Jessica. The next section is on stories, myths, and legends. In this portion of the podcast, I will retell a legend, myth, or story related to the gods, magic, or anything else that I feel to be paganism-related. Information for today's story comes from leonardo-newtonic.com. This story is titled, Loki's Gifts for the Gods, and it comes from the Norse tradition. Once, when Loki was in the mood for a great prank, he cut off Sif's hair while she was asleep. Sif being none other than the wife of Thor, renowned for her divine beauty and her golden hair. This, of course, angered Thor, the thunder god, and so he quickly grabbed up Loki in order to confront him. Upon being confronted by Thor, Loki decided that the situation had gotten out of hand, and so he promised to acquire a replacement for Sif's hair from the dwarves of Svartalfheim. At first, Thor was skeptical of this replacement promised by his brother, but after hearing that it would be made of real gold, and thus would be more beautiful than her original hair, he agreed with Loki's suggestion of replacements. Now in order to fulfill his promise, Loki had to journey to Svartalfheim and speak to the dwarf by the name of Ivaldi. After speaking with the dwarf, Ivaldi crafted an exquisite headpiece for Sif, and while he did so, his sons crafted a number of other items as well, so that they could be given to the other gods as gifts. These items included a folding ship for Freyr, god of prosperity, kingship, and peace, as well as the sphere Gungnir for Odin, the Allfather. Now, even though he had completed his task in the realm of the dwarves, Loki was still feeling mischievous and in need for a good prank, and so he wondered what else he might get out of the hands of the talented craftsman. As such, he approached two brothers by the name of Brock and Sindri, and he made a wager with them, using his own head as the prize, that they could not do better work than the Ivaldi sons had done. Taking up the challenge, Sindri, despite being bitten on the hand by a fly, created a magnificent golden boar, faster than any horse save for Odin's Sleipnir, and this was for Freyr. Brock, despite being bitten on the neck by a fly, managed to craft an exquisite golden ring for Odin by the name of Dropnir. Finally, after working for many days, Brock began working on the mighty hammer Mjolnir for Thor, which never missed its mark and flew back to the hand of its owner after making a hit, a crafting which again succeeded, despite him being bitten on his eyelid by a fly and blinded by the sting. Unfortunately, the hammer was slightly imperfect due to him being blinded in his eye, and so the handle 
was just a little too short. The crafty Loki, after shape-changing back from a fly, went to collect the items and now had a total of six gifts to present the gods. He only succeeded by a hair's margin, but in the end he had a lot of fun on his adventure, and to the trickster god Loki, that is what is most important. That was the story of Loki's Gifts for the Gods. I hope you enjoyed it. Now let's move on to the next segment, which I like to call Keeping Up with the Christians. In this segment, I take a look at what the Christians are doing lately and dissect it from a non-Christian's point of view. Part of this is a report on their goings-on, and part of it's just making fun of them, so I hope you enjoy it. This week in Keeping Up with the Christians. According to an article on VaticanNews.va, the Pope has praised the dignity of the French bishops in tackling their abuse crisis. Now, to be clear... This is in response to the publication released on the 5th of October, which showed that there have been 330,000 victims of sexual violence within the Catholic Church alone since 1950. He encourages the bishops to maintain their underlying dignity of their positions when dealing with this crisis. Beyond this, they have laid plans to discuss histories and previous methods of dealing with these issues at a future conference. Now, in perspective... That means that across the last 71 years, there have been an average of 25,915 instances of sexual violence per year, or 12.73 instances per day since 1950 within the Catholic Church. And they're going to discuss what was done in the past and what to do about it now. In my opinion, the answer is clear. Tell your priest that it's okay to have sex with men and women so long as they won't have to suppress their desire until it boils out in a trauma-inducing way, especially since much of this trauma ends up with the children. In other news, according to an article on NBCNews.com, a Catholic diocese in Michigan has said that gay and trans people cannot be baptized or take communion. The diocese issued guidance that unless these individuals have repentance, they should be prohibited from being baptized or receiving communion. So, basically, they are saying that if you are gay or trans, you are going to hell because you are going to be denied absolution altogether for any sins you may commit throughout this life. And the only way to get around this is to apologize to the slave master in the sky for being the way that supposedly he created you and doing your best not to be yourself anymore and to deny yourself and your urges for the rest of your life. Finally, according to an article on Pathios.com, Sam Sorbo, wife of God's Not Dead actor Kevin Sorbo, is claiming that we need to stop teaching children about evolution in school. This time, however, the claim is not to remove evolution because it challenges creationism, but rather that if we are teaching children about evolution, we will also end up teaching them about about slavery and inequality. Now, I doubt that this needs any commentary, but come on now! How transparent can you be? I mean, you're outright stating that kids shouldn't know about evolution, racism, or inequality, which means that you are threatened by the concept of your children knowing what a horrible piece of shit you are. Well, that's it for Keeping Up With The Christians for today. Tune in next week to find out the latest Christian drama. Now it's time for the audience Q&A. This week, I have a question from a listener by the name of Christopher from Huntington Beach. They write, 
What are familiars and what are their responsibilities? Mary meet Christopher. In order to answer your question, I will be utilizing information from LearnReligions.com and WiccaAcademy.com. In many of the various traditions of modern paganism, including several of the Wiccan paths, the concept of a familiar is incorporated into the practice. In modern times, a familiar is often thought of as an animal with whom a spellcaster has a deep and magical connection, but there is more to it than just that. In some Scandinavian countries, familiars were associated with the spirits of the land and nature, such as fairies, dwarves, and other elemental beings. In other, more shamanistic practices, a, a familiar is not a f physical being at all, but rather a spiritual being that serves as a magical guardian against those who might try to attack the shaman. Now, in modern neo-paganism, the majority of the people that you meet have adapted the word to mean an actual and living animal, which they have an emotional and somewhat psychic bond with, and who is attuned to with their powers of their human. Now, not all animals are familiars, just as not all people are practitioners of the craft. That being said, if you start noticing that your dog pees on everything except your altar, or that your cat runs into the room every time you're doing a spell in order to help, chances are that they have become what you could consider to be a familiar. Now, as for the responsibilities of familiars, in my personal experience and opinion, the familiars do not have any specific responsibilities or duties. However, there are a great many tasks or activities that a familiar can engage in in order to help their person, from psychological support to aiding their human in working magic or performing spiritual defense while their person is asleep or unable to protect themselves for whatever other reason. Some specific things that different types of animals are known to be good at are as follows. Bats are good at helping one access deep-rooted feelings and other parts of their subconscious. Cats are good at helping with spiritual defense and spell work. Dogs are good at bringing positive energy, protection spells, and the intuition to sense danger, both physical and spiritual. Ferrets are good at helping with trickiness and cunning to outwit predators and those who would be as a predator to their human. Goats are good at helping their person maintain a strong and individual personality. Owls are good at helping their person attune with nature and at finding wisdom. Rabbits are good at accessing hidden knowledge and carrying messages to the gods and the spirit world. Rats are good at helping their humans to be adaptable and patient. Ravens are good at identifying danger and are highly skilled at the keeping of secrets. Snakes help their people connect to their masculine energy, and they are good at keeping secrets as well. Spiders are good at weaving webs and tangling fate. And last but not least, toads are good at divination and transformation. Well, Christopher, I hope that that answered your question. If you have any more questions, don't be afraid to reach back out. To anyone who wants to chime in, if you want to ask questions, leave a comment or suggestions or content suggestions or even just to send me death threats because you're a butthurt Christian and can't hear, stand to hear me talking smack about your religion, please feel free to send them to me at paganparlor1313 at gmail.com. Well, that's all I have for today. Thank you for tuning in to The Pagan Parlor. Again, any questions, comments, suggestions, or death threats can be sent to paganparlor1313 at gmail.com. The whole of the law shall be do as thou wilt, but harm none. Blessed be, and don't forget to blow out your candles. Whew.